Hi, Richie. Hi, Shen. I got good news for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> We will be able to tell which episode this is. I don't believe you. Yeah, I did some calculations. Oh, my God. We have, we have numbers now. <laughs> yeah, we have numbers again. This, this podcast <laughs> is now a well-oiled machine in which, <laughs> which we've, we've kept very, very basic notes on what we've already covered. <laughs> um, this will be episode 37, and I know this because I finished editing the episode with Gail, and that would be episode 36. Yeah. <laughs> we have no episodes in between. <laughs> Are you concerned that if we get too competent, <laughs> we might start losing viewers because they come for the fact that this is a complete catastrophe? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so today we're going to talk about Bergenworth. Yay! Okay. And that is because someone named Hideous Armor I was asking for an episode about Bergenworth. Let me get... I actually have notes for this one. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Richie. Yes. What does the word Bergenworth mean? Well, that's a that's an interesting question because it's not <laughs> um it's not like a an actual like plausible name, I don't think. The way it's written with like a y, it's like Bergenworth. And I'm pretty sure that it's it's written that way because it was it was supposed to invoke like um if you imagine like a like B J U R or B J O R like Bjur like Bjor. So I think it was probably like the name they were going for was something more like Bjorgenworth or Bjur like Bergenworth, not necessarily Bjorgenworth with a Y. But um maybe they went with that because the it kinda sounds off in the same way that Yanam as a name kind of sounds a bit off. Mm -hmm. mm. And Berg is a word? Well, like, it's written B-Y-R-G. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but I mean Berg, yeah. like B-U-R-G, that's a word. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I, I don't, what I does don't think Berg they were going, Berg Richie? just means like, Richie? like a, Richie? Yeah. Richie? Yeah. Richie? Yes. What does Berg with a U mean? It's like a like a urban area or like a city. What does <laughs> worth mean? I don't know. Worth. Okay, now worth. Worth, price, value, honor, dignity. So if you put Burke together and worth together It's a dignity city. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We should call the podcast Dignity City from now on. <laughs> we should call Bergenworth Dignity City from now on. So, in Bloodborne, what does... Yep. <laughs> in Bloodborne, what does Bergenworth... What does it refer to? It refers to... It, well, they say it refers to a college. Meaning this this large university building. Well, it's actually that large. We'll, we'll go into that later on. Um, a university sort of institute uh, academic 
place that is located... Confusingly, it is located in this sort of overgrown, horrible, like, woods. Mm -hmm. So, now this city, there is like a a town in the woods that has kind of decayed. If you if you visit it, you can see that the buildings have all fallen apart and they've been like patched together with uh, like just bits of timber and stuff. Like the the area around it clearly it used to be built up, and then over time it's decayed and become this sort of slum. And that town is never named; they just refer to the woods. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if like that whole area at one point was called Bergenworth, and that's Bergenworth University. And then over time, like, Bergenworth has come to just refer to the university because the town's fallen apart. In the same way that, you know, like, like Oxford is in Oxford. And then maybe Bergenworth was in Bergenworth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically because that town is never named. So today we're going to cover Bergenworth, the college. Okay. Um, so could you tell me which year it was built in? Well... Based on the the subtitles that aren't used of the guy behind the door, uh, Lawrence left Bergenworth twenty years ago, so Bergenworth was built at least twenty one years ago. We we can go into like the history of Berg because the, there's kind of implications about the design of it, because what happens is Bergenworth is built directly above the the Thumerian catacombs, like the rest of Yarnimitz. But also, the people of Bergenworth, like, they refer to Yarnim as, like, that's another place. Like, there's Bergenworth and there's Yarnim, and they're kind of separate. But they're also both over the same catacombs. So, and, like, the people in Yarnim, and Yarnim itself, draw very heavily on like, what's in the catacombs. Like, the design of Yarnum looks like the catacombs. By catacombs, I mean the Chalice Dungeons, whatever. The design of Yarnum looks like the design... It looks like an evolution of the design of what's under Yarnum. And the people in Yarnum are all obsessed with blood because they're the descendants of the Thumerians who used to live underground. Whereas Birkenworth doesn't follow the same like architectural style it just looks like a modern building that's been built at the on this lake and when they discover the the dungeons beneath Yarnum, it's this like revelation like wait what this stuff was here and you know the people uh, in bergenworth they don't they don't have what's called the Yarnum look the idea is that people from Yarnum they have slightly asymmetrical features and they have quite a lot of the men anyway have quite a lot of facial hair the people in Bergenworth don't really look like that from what we see. So I think the the idea is that like Yarnum and the Yarnum and Hemwick and Canehurst are like the very, very, very old parts of this area. And Bergenworth would have been built like it's the most recently built place. Because it's it's detached from all of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And who was it built by? Well, for all we know it was built by Bjorn. Oh, isn't there a Bjorn Demon Souls? Yeah, there's a Bjorn Demon. That's why I'm thinking the name. Like it's written B. The the Bjorn part is written B Y R G. Everyone calls it Bergenworth, as though it's written B U R G. Bergen. 
but I think the name is probably meant to be more like they're going for a name that's um that's like Bjorg, so it's like Bjorgenworth or something like that. Mm-hmm. But with more of like like a J or a like a Y sound at the start than the sort of more like Bergen. It's more, more like Bjorgen. Okay, and who was Bjor who built it? Bjor is a character in Demon Souls. And what happens is, if you survive up to the dragon, and you beat the dragon by shooting it with arrows for three hours, <laughs> he says, like, oh, I have to have a rest. Uh-huh. And what happens is, when he has a rest, he goes into the dreamlands. <laughs> and that's connected to Yarnum. So then he came out of the dreamlands, and he had no way of getting back to Boletaria. So he said, I'm going to have to found a university. <laughs> to look into ways to get back to Boletaria. <laughs> right. Um, well, wasn't Bloodborne initially a sequel to Demon Cells? It, it was at some point, but we don't know exactly how much of what we know of as Bloodborne was in there at the time. But, like, we, we have it on pretty good authority from, like, sources. If I sound like an asshole saying this, but, like, sources. <laughs> that it, like... Like, basically, people said, like, you know, I, I anonymous, like, QA tester or developer or whatever. Yeah, like, I can tell you it was Demon Souls 2 at one point. Um, and then they've also provided information when they say that that then later checked out to be true. And there's no way they could have guessed that. So it's like, okay, the rest of your story checks out, so this is probably true as well. So, yeah. Um, it's pretty kind of like, not crystal clear, but sort of like opaque to a degree that okay. uh, Bloodborne was going to be Demon Souls 2. Uh, we don't know what it would have been like, but the idea is that the, the dungeons underneath Yarnum, it probably would have been that they were the ruins of Boletaria. And you would have gone down and found, like, the ruins of, um, yeah, of Boletaria and all the weird shit that happened there. That would have been, like, a reveal. So, it is kind of possible that Bjor was the founder of Pyrgenworth. Yes. I mean, Dignity City. The Dignity City. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, I'm going to ask you about the school, what it looks like, and what the objects in the school, I guess, represent. And first, I'd like to talk about the part that we find in the waking world. Yeah. So I'm actually there on site right now. Wow. Uh-huh. You've left the podcast to go to Dignity City. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after you, uh, I guess, emerge from the woods and go past the lantern, you see the building. And yep. around it, there are these weird statues. Could you talk a bit about these? Those statues, uh, I guess, this relates to what we were saying before about how Bergenworth is sort of a newer building. It's not a continuation of what was going on under Yarnum. Those statues look to have been looted from the dungeons under Yarnum and also the, the fishing hamlet area that we go to later in the game. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, 
Bergenworth, um, we don't find out a massive deal about what they actually researched there, but the, the way it's set up is that there are, they're sort of like explore, um, a mixture of like kind of historians and biologists and philosophers. So these, these statues, they presumably would have gone on these like, expeditions to the chalice dungeons and expeditions to places like the fishing hamlet um i guess in line with like the way victorian uh, imperial explorers worked and just sort of taken things and taken them back to study them this may explain the relationship they have with the hunters because they never quite specify like why are the hunters working with bergenworth but if they are explorers and they're basically a bunch of like tweedy academics <laughs> It would make sense that they would work in tandem with these like hunters as like um bodyguards, basically, yeah. or as like mm-hmm. yeah, to sort of to keep them safe while they were researching things. Because because the Chalice Dungeons, like when you go there, they're full of monsters, and when they go to the Fishing Hamlet, of course, like they mm-hmm. they massacre the people there. So so that actually makes sense because academics are probably not very good at fighting. No, I'm not at all. Oh, it's true, Richie. You're actually you're actually a researcher yourself. Yeah. So you can speak from experience. Yeah. Like literally, for those who don't know, Richard is a is like a doctor. Yeah. Hi. Well, I, I was thinking about actually. I was at a, I was at a, an academic conference, and I was wondering, like, I wonder if the like Bergenworth, like, who did the catering. <laughs> They had, like, a Bergenworth conference and all these other people came there to, like, look at the things they found in the Chalice Dungeons. If there was also, there was just, like, someone whose job it was to walk around with a plate of pastries, like, offering them to people. And <laughs> Maybe that's what hunters did, like, uh, to get some extra money. Well, it's possible. Do you think, do you think Willem employed German by saying you can work for exposure? Oh, like, for experience type deal. Yeah. Yeah, what did German really want to do in life then? Um, we're not entirely sure. He apparently at one point was okay with with uh, mass murder, and then after that, he wanted to not be haunted by a dead child. Okay, Richard, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Okay. Um, remember that German said it's always the someone someone's job to clean up the messes. It's. it's- <laughs> It's always down, it always comes down to the hunter's helper to clean up after these sorts of messes. Oh my god! Okay, I know exactly what German. Okay, I know, I know, I've solved it. I know. Okay. Do you think he was the janitor? No. Okay. Do you want to know what really happened? Go on. Okay. So basically, uh, Willem opened his lap, right? Right. Because Willem, what he would have to do, uh, because like the PI, usually what they do is they get like grants and they go to conferences and they just like keep the lab going, right? They're not usually as much hands-on. Willem could not do everything. Like he can't like organize the lab and organize the students and organize the hunters. So who did he need to hire? Just some extra admin, some assistants. A lab coordinator. Oh, okay. So you think German was the lab coordinator? Yes. Okay. Because that that line makes sense, though, because when there's a mass in the lab, <laughs> usually the lab coordinator has to clean it up. 
<laughs> so you think G- German's goal in life was to work in administration, and then yeah, and then he just got drawn into murdering people with a sword. <laughs> okay, well the thing is, because like he wanted to work in administration and he didn't have any experience, and the lab was hiring. And it was like, kind of like, okay, well, you don't really need a lot of admin experience to work in a lab. You learn things as you go along because it was actually a lab that was just starting up, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So his plan was to work there for a little bit, then to move on to something else. But he sort of got stuck, you know? (laughs) I guess the murdering with a sigh thing. Okay. Okay. What happens is... For example, in my lab, uh, we, the research assistants, will have to do cognitive tests on people. Yeah. But there's going to be times where, let's say, one of us is sick and, like, a test needs to be done, but all of us are at their different sides doing tests so we can't replace this person. So the lab coordinator will have to go and replace the sick research assistant to get the data. Right. And so it's the same thing where, let's say, one hunter got sick that day when they were raiding the fishing hamlet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, German, like, uh, this girl is sick, so we, we're missing a person <laughs> to get this data <laughs> to administer this cognitive test, I guess. So he went in as the replacement. Well, it's one of the better headcanons that I've heard. Because think about it, Richard. Like, if you go to the fishing hamlet, right? Like, this is the point in time where you get the data. There's no second try. Like... You need all hands on deck. I think this has gone on for longer than the rest of the podcast put together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like you appreciate the theory. It's it's all right. (laughs) I've heard worse. (laughs) I have. So, back to Bergenworth. Yes. Uh, So, when you first see the building, you turn left. Yep. So, we talked about the statues. We're not going to really talk about the enemies in this area, because that's for another podcast and another time. And you have a very good video about the Gardens of Eyes up already. JSF is promoting a video of mine. How exciting. I can die happy. Sometimes I forget that you're Richard Peelbeam and my respect reemerges. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I perceive you as great JSF. <laughs> mm. For those brief moments, Richie, yeah. you are respected. <laughs> yeah, your, your respect for me is just declines the more you got to know me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah it's a really good video you should all check it out it's i think it's one of rich's favorites that that was the um i think it was the first one of yours that i saw oh really oh. yeah <laughs> and you were like block no i i because you were linking me this stuff and i thought oh it's gonna just be like someone going over item descriptions and things and and it was instead almost indescribably strange. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and it had this cutesy music playing and you were telling a story about the Garden of Eyes. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I will watch the rest of this channel. 
and 12 months later, here we are. <laughs> More like 18 months later. <laughs> Speaking of the passage of time. Yeah. I think we need to stay on topic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have things we're supposed to have done by the end right. of the weekend. And it's oh. going to be Sunday in two minutes. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. So you go, um, you go around the building. Yeah. And, okay, there's a pair of doors that doesn't open usually, but it's open in my case because I'm a professional. Yeah. And you go through them and you see a really interesting room. Is it that interesting? Yeah, because there are like these couches and then there are these fancy chairs and there's a cage and there's a bunch of pickled eyes. So could you explain to me what was going on here? Well, this is where things get confusing with regard to there being like a huge chunk of Bergenworth that's not really in Bergenworth. Because the impression that you get from this room and the room above it is just that Bergenworth sat around reading a lot. Because it's just mm-hmm. bookshelves everywhere and th- those couches are near the bookshelves, so you would sit on the couches to read. Yeah. And uh, one of the books there is actually, you can inspect it. So this is a place where they would go to, like, it's just like knowledge. Um, knowledge is sort of being archived there. It's not clear if anything's actually being produced, though. Well, the thing is, uh, oh, did you hear me? I said the thing is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It kind of looks like a library or whatever, or a place where you, like a student lounge, you know? Yeah, that's, I think that is what it is. Like, okay. it's the Bergenworth Library. Um, and the thing is, when the game first came uh-huh. out, yeah, it was kind of unclear as to whether the other part of Bergenworth really was Bergenworth, because it was just sort of ambiguous at the time. So back then, we were sort of thinking, like, but is, is that just... Bergenworth is literally the entire of Bergenworth, just a library and a telescope. Because we used to think, well, maybe the other chunk of it, it's just called the lecture building. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, well, may, does it have to be the Bergenworth lecture building? Because, I mean, I guess we'll get to it later on, but there's nowhere where it could have gone that you can see. So we were like, clearly it's not like missing from Bergenworth because there's nowhere where it would have gone. So it may just be a building somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the university I went to. There were many buildings. Yeah. And some buildings were more, like, loungy <laughs> than others, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, this would definitely be a student lounge area slash um, library. But also, there's another component to this. Because usually, a student lounge doesn't have weird materials and dead slug babies in cages and pickled eyes. Like, this is the stuff for a lab, you know? Yeah, that's again where, because you would see those things there, but then it would be like, well, what were they doing with them? Because they're just like on a table. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you go into the lecture hall, you can see, okay, there were, like, rooms where they were doing experiments. There were rooms where they were attending lectures, things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's not really there in the Bergenworth that you visit that's actually called Bergenworth. And yeah. it, like, it, we were even at a point where we were thinking, like, when they talk about Bergenworth as this, like, academic institute, 
do they actually mean that, or do they mean more like the Bergenworth scholars were a group of people, kind of like Mensa, who would meet somewhere, who were all from different places, and they would meet mm-hmm. somewhere that was called Bergenworth? To like, like Bergenworth was a place where they would meet and like share their discoveries, rather than the place that was actually doing the the knowledge production to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think we're, we've now settled on like, okay, the lecture hall is just part of Bergenworth that you don't see. And it was a proper like institution that was doing that was doing studies and experiments. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the second floor, or I mean, I guess the third floor, the one with the little table up the ladder or up the stairs. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, so there's some more storage here, some more yeah. eyes. It seems like a very disorganized storage area like you definitely couldn't do any lab stuff here like there's no space well this is the only indication Mm -hmm. that i got that they were doing experiments there because it's connected to a giant telescope yeah but like i feel like it it must have been very me okay i i know what happened go on ever since their coordinator got stuck in the hunter's dream yeah it happens they just couldn't organize themselves anymore you know He's like, he's missed a lot of work. Yeah, so, like, things are all over the place. Like, there's no place to do your experiments. A lounge is a lab. A lab is a lounge. Everything is confusing. Yeah. It's not an unrealistic situation. Yeah, I understand, yeah. Well, no, I, I, had, a, I had a supervisor who retired without telling me. So I imagine, like, <laughs> it's a similar situation to him being stuck in the hunter's dream. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, people don't realize how important a coordinator is to a lab. Yeah. Because they're like the central point of this whole thing. They connect the students to the RAs, to the uh, to the PI, like they're... Yeah. Yeah, they have a very important job. And you know where the telescope is? Um, yeah. I'm disappointed we can't use it. Yeah, I I'm wondering if maybe they had more intended for it early on. Because it it's a very impressive, like, set piece, but it does nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there is also, uh, I just noticed, a little round window uh, on the floor where the telescope is. Like, it's like a yeah. flowery window. I yeah. never noticed it before. I really like it. It's very pretty. Yeah. There's also a, a fly monster up there. <laughs> and... And there's a treasure chest with a slug in it. <laughs> but I want to focus on this flowery window. Okay. I think <laughs> it goes with the motif of, like, flowers and flora and nature. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. What's in that chest again? The empty phantasm shell. Right. So that shows us that... Well, that's something that Bergenworth found in the labyrinth. It's odd because, well, the weird thing is they describe the phantasms mm-hmm. as slugs. But then for some reason it's also like, oh, they left behind a shell. And I'm like, what, what? Because slugs don't have shells? Yeah, and if you look at it, it looks like um, like a pupa. Like a, a casing, like when a, when a caterpillar, like, molts, uh, pupates into a butterfly, and then it leaves the sort of casing behind. Mm-hmm. It looks like that, but I don't. I don't think I don't. We never see like a, a phantasm doing anything like that because phantasms are all just slugs. 
who just grow until like they just continue growing. They don't shed skin, so I don't quite get mm-hmm. what that is. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what they were trying to figure out. Maybe the whole shell and phantasms thing is really confusing, but they just didn't get there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, well, just, I guess, as a side note, we find we find um, fly people. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're there as well. <laughs> um, what do you think they used to be? I'm pretty sure they used to be the Bergenworth Scholars. Do you want me to go into the fly people's robes? Okay. Okay. What the fly people are wearing looks like the... Uh, it's not exact, but it kind of looks like what the choir end up wearing. And it looks like the white church set, the, the male version. The white church set and black church set completely change design depending on if the character is male or female. The white church set, the male character has, it's like a white robe with a gold trim. And that seems to be what the, the fly people are wearing, and it's what the, the choir wear, regardless of uh, male or female. And um, it's also very similar kind of to what Willem wears. And in the Hunter's Nightmare, when you go into what's uh, apparently a past version of the Grand Cathedral, it's not very clear what's going on. There's a statue of a, a figure wearing something that's like a it's like a marginally less ostentatious version of what Willem is wearing. And they talk about how the Healing Church borrow from Bergenworth's uniform design. So I'm guessing what's going on is that the the fly people would have worn they were wearing like um uh the Bergenworth robes. They would have would have been dressed like the um like the statue in the nightmare on that altar. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, um and like the fly people, I think were probably the the senior kind of academics and scholars because we meet the students of Bergenworth later on and they're just wearing uh, they're wearing different clothing. So I'm basically what I'm saying is that like there would have been like there was Willem at the top. And then underneath Willem, there would have been like a group of senior scholars who would have dressed kind of in a less ostentatious version of what Willem wore. And then they would have instructed the students who were wearing the student set. So I'm saying that's what the fly people are based on what they're, the remnants of what they're wearing. Okay. Thank you. And there's also a blood sucker. Brain sucker, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brain sucker. What do you think uh, he used to be? That's well. It, it's odd because like brain suckers are transformed humans, but they can also have just come up from the labyrinth. So it's not clear if that is someone from Bergenworth who transformed, or if mm-hmm. it's because uh, Bergenworth were digging, excavating a labyrinth. Maybe a brain sucker just came to the surface. Right. Right. And there's also a fluorescent flower. Yeah. How did that get there, and what is it? They're in the Chalice Dungeons as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's specifically Lower Thumaru. There's a layer of Lower Thumaru where the boss is Rom, who is the boss of Bergenworth. And that's where you find it. there's a ton of fluorescent flowers in there. So I think it's saying, like, it's trying to connect to the player that Rom and the fluorescent flowers are kind of like 
you know, view these things together. So I think the idea is that, like whatever was going on with Rom, like uh, the fluorescent flowers kind of crawled up from there when they were in the, like, it's, it's trying to make you associate fluorescent flowers with Bergenworth basically to make you remember. So I think the idea is that when Bergenworth were excavating the chalices, um, a fluorescent flower has sort of crawled up out of there. Fluorescent flowers are weird because like they called a fluorescent flower. And what happens is they're a, they're like a giant centipede, but the top part of the head is like is just a flower that's sort of growing out of it. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of it, you can target that part separately if you have a ranged weapon. And if you shoot it like once, it just pretty much instantly dies. It has a little just collapse. And um, when it dies, it has a very strange death animation where instead of the whole thing collapsing this sort of, like, little vortex opens up and the body gets sucked inside. And all that's left is the fire and the flower just splats on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, it's possible that, like, maybe they took the flower to Bergenworth and then the flower, like, the body grew out of it or something. Oh, that's interesting. But, you know, we talked about it on the podcast, uh, how maybe... Uh, the flowers, like the flowers on Rom, and I guess the flower on the centipede, use the moon to like energize themselves. Yeah, I think that's very, that's very deliberate. All the great ones, they constantly blur the line. Um, except for maybe Abritus, they blur the line between is this this is this is an animal, but also it's kind of a plant at the same time. They've all got like plant stuff going on with them, mm-hmm. and I think that is like. It's for, it's to make them seem like unearthly, like that we can't tell what if this thing is an animal or a plant. But also, it further connects them to the moon because the idea is like they would absorb light from the moon and the stars if they were a plant. Yeah. Cool. Um. Oh, and and also, uh, the first time you go to Bergenworth, you encounter Yuri. Yeah. What's Yuri doing there? Yuri is a member of the choir who has gone to Bergenworth. And she is there's an okay, there's a note next to her that says that um the Bergenworth spider is hiding the rituals and that it says something like true enlightenment need not be shared. And it the thing is it doesn't say like this is a note from Yuri, but mm-hmm. she's positioned next to it and it's in her handwriting. I mean it's it's like She's positioned next to it, and it's a handwritten note that's on the... It's not like a book or something. So I think the idea is that she has gone there, and that's like something she's left. And um, the thing about the way it's written is, like, the Japanese is a lot more imperative. It's like, true enlightenment must not be shared. Like, don't mm-hmm. disturb the spot. Like, because the way it's written now is just sort of odd, but if you look at the Japanese, it's this very imperative warning. It's like, the spider is hiding the ritual, you know, don't do anything to the spider. Because, <laughs> like, the spider's hiding the ritual, don't allow enlightenment to be shared by, like, revealing it. Like, the spider's mm-hmm. revealing nothing for a reason, like, just don't, don't do anything. Basically, whatever you do, do not kill Rom. Yes. Um... <laughs> and like the 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 old hunters DLC also filled in something, which is that again before the, before we knew kind of what was going on, they were like, "Well, is Yuri is Yuri here to kill Rom? Like, is she trying to stop Rom?" But thankfully, they 
They explained how it worked by patching in a summonable NPC called Damien of Mensis. Mm-hmm. Who, if you summon, like, he is hostile to Rom, and he's hostile to Yuri. So, the idea is that, like, Yuri is there, like, kind of raiding Bergenworth, trying to figure out, like, what they were doing there, trying to get all the knowledge back. And she's realized, along with the other members of the choir, that they should not disturb Rom, who is sleeping in the lake. Mm-hmm. And Mensis, here represented by Damien, are just like, no, like, we have to get rid of Rom to allow our ritual to continue because she's blocking it. So, yeah, it's finally explained by the DLC. Yuri is there to stop you getting to Rom, and Damien is there to kill Rom. So, Yuri is basically the hero of the game because she's trying to stop you from doing something very bad. Um, yeah, but I don't know if, if Yuri's plan is necessarily that much better. Why? Because Yanan sort of would have gone to crap anyway. Like, it's already in a really bad state. Because mm. what happens is, like, the the choir are in Upper Cathedral Ward. And they're all really tuned into the sky and the stars and the moon and everything. And they're trying to, like, interpret, basically, lights in the sky as a I mean, like Willem is doing where he's gazing out at the moon. They're doing the same thing. And what happens is, when you kill Rom and the Red Moon appears, that completely, like, because they're all tuned into it, they're all fried. <laughs> nice going, Hunter. So that's why when you go to Upper Cathedral Ward, there is no one left. Because, like, there's everyone turned into a brain sucker or turned into a scourge beast or died. And the guy doing mate contact just was, like, mummified on the spot. So you literally killed everyone? Uh, yeah. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Well, I think really Miyazaki needs to take some of the blame here, because <laughs> we weren't really given a choice. <laughs> well, I think also maybe the localization team has a hand in it, because if they presented the note in a more coherent way, Maybe it would have been like, oh, yeah, we better not disturb the spider. This is, this is an issue that I've had. Like, I have it with Bloodborne in general, regardless of the localization. Which is that you have Gilbert telling you what to do and German telling you what to do at the very beginning. Then, like, so, like, they lead you toward the cathedral ward where Amelia is. Uh, German by telling you, like, you know, the hunters, uh, they have a workshop ascend it and chapel and discover the workshop and then you've got gilbert saying like well if you want pale bodge you have to go to the um go to the grand cathedral and speak to the healing church but then after you beat amelia all you really have to go on is that alfred may have mentioned bergenworth and that's really all that's going on and everything from that point on is just things happening like, there's, I don't know why you do a lot of these things. Like, there's no one actually telling you to do it. The DLC fixes that um, within the DLC itself by adding Simon. Because you have this guy who's, like, shadows you throughout the DLC, basically saying, like, hey, if you want to know the secret, you have to go up there. Or if you want to know, like, what's happening, like, you have to kill Maria. You know, you have to, like... Okay, but, yeah. Richie... Yes. 
In real life, do you have somebody following you around telling you what to do? Do you have somebody being like, oh, do this, do that, go over there? No, you like, I guess you have... Well, I have you. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> most people don't have a sense yeah. to tell them what to do on a, on a, on a daily basis. So well, they might have, they're like a boss or a supervisor. Okay, well, that's the thing. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, but like in life, like when I wake up in the morning, I know that I have to go to work and like, okay, let's say yeah. I get laid off. Like, okay, I should find another job. And sometimes I just walk around the city. Sometimes I just go for a walk. Sometimes I just do things. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. oh, I should take up a new hobby. So I Google it. Like you just do things like sort of spontaneously because you feel like it so that's it the yeah. hunter was walking around he felt like exploring the woods he felt like going to bergenworth he's like well clearly this guy who used to be a competent coordinator at some point is not anymore so he's not giving me any information so i'll just figure it out on my own <laughs> what are we talking about well well you've been trying to we've been trying to talk about bergenworth and i think during during the amount of time we've talked about Bergenworth, you could have actually played the game up until Bergenworth and beaten Rom. <laughs> um, okay, so... Oh, okay, let's talk about the items that you find in Bergenworth. Okay. Explain. Well, the Madman's knowledge is there because they were uncovering Eldritch knowledge. Mm-hmm. Arcane Lake is there because there is a big lake mm -hmm. that's full of arcane energy. The sedatives are there because they took sedatives because they were researching into eldritch knowledge and it was making them go mad. Mm -hmm. There's a Great One's Wisdom by the lake. Um, I think it's it's very intentional that the Great One's Wisdom is the closest to the lake because it's like he was nearest the lake when whatever happened, happened. Mm -hmm. Um. There's the empty phantasm shell, which we talked about. There's a uh, pearl slug at the bottom that you would use to uh, access the chalice dungeons. Mm -hmm. So I guess like they were finding phantasms, they found some pearl slugs and they found the empty phantasm shell. Mm -hmm. There's the eye rune that's inside Willem. Because Willem is seeking enlightenment, so he leaves behind the eye. Mm -hmm. There's the student set that's just the uniform that the Bergenworth students wore. Yuri <laughs> drops blue elixirs. Now, blue elixirs are a thing that you use if you're doing stealth, because they render you partially invisible. So the idea is that she's snooping around, so she's taken these blue elixirs to mask where she is. And there is the Lunarium Key, which you use to go out and say hi to Willem. <laughs> All right. And now, let's go to Willem. Okay. Talk to me about Willem. Ah. <laughs> oh god, that's so creepy. <laughs> um, Willem's not very talkative. <laughs> I guess we're going to have a whole episode on Willem at some point. So, in relation to Bergenworth, um, yep. what role did he play? He was the head of Bergenworth. So, like we mentioned earlier, he was probably the principal investigator or whatever that was usually locked in his lunarium. But he's not locked in. No, the lunarium, the professor lunarium is a weird non-word. Um, <laughs> what, 
what the Lunarium is, is the, the like, sort of, I calling it like a pier, it's more like a bal- it's like a balcony that extends along toward the lake. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, where, like, you have to look at the other script, because the Japanese script doesn't use Lunarium. It calls it a Tsukimi platform, which is like an actual thing. Uh, Tsukimi mm-hmm. platform means a moon viewing platform. And, like, buildings, Japanese buildings will have Tsukimi. It's just, like, an architectural feature. And the idea is it's it's like a balcony that you go out on. They're usually near a large body of water. And you just go there and you just, like, look at the moon and contemplate the moon. But, um, obviously, in uh, the West, we don't have an equivalent word for that. We don't really have an equivalent concept for it. Mm-hmm. So they go with Lunarium because it's, like, it sort of makes sense it's like a solarium but for the moon just like a place where you would get a lot of moonlight uh-huh. so the idea be- is that willem is out on his lunarium and he's he's basically just meditating and he's looking at the moon and he's just doing this moon viewing thing mm-hmm. cool yeah and that's one of the things when you first told me about it that was a long long time ago yeah I was like, oh my god, that's amazing, JSF, yeah, you're then, so and then, smart. And then I was like, yeah, there's going to be a video about it really soon. That was a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you sent me a script, and I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. For everyone who's wondering, I did write and fully record and edit two episodes, and then deleted both of them and started again. Richie's a perfectionist. <laughs> I taught him that. <laughs> you know, nothing says perfection like the... Boss Arena's podcast. <laughs> Sketchy NPCs Arena's podcast. In which, in which you could just be heard loudly chewing through a lot of it. <laughs> um, oh, do you want to... Would you like to give um, everyone a sneak peek of what you talk about in, uh, in your video that you may not have necessarily covered in a podcast? I can't think of any. I think we just did it. Oh. The Berkeley was not very big. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh no, Rich is spoiling games again. <laughs> okay, what 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 I'm basically trying to get at is that like Bergenworth uh they're they're not specifically like oh they're scientists. They're like a group of sort of scientist philosopher mystics. So they spend time um like they they're doing like, physical shit. They're, like, doing autopsies on things they found in the labyrinth. They're figuring out how, like, eyes and brains work. And they're doing, like, biology. But at the same time, they're also... They're pairing that with we also need to change the way that we think. We need to change, like, our conception of reality. And Willem is part of that, because he's he's not just... uh, He's not just, like... When he talks about, like, I have to have eyes in my brain, he means that literally. Like, he is actually shoving, like, trying to grow eyes in his brain. He does want, like, physical eyes. Because he, he thinks they're like a gateway. But at the same time, he also means it in a metaphorical sense. He means, like, I have to sort of open my third eye. I have to open, like, my mind up to new experiences and new ideas. Mikolash kind of gets that when Mikolash is talking about, like, this, we've got to reach, like, new ideas and, like, new planes of thought. Where it's not purely a a physical thing, it's him, like, it's a meditative philosophical thing, like, trying to alter how how he's actually thinking. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So they're doing all those things at once. Yeah, that's all. They're just they're they're doing a lot of things at once. So uh, an interesting question, and I guess a question that's on everybody's mind at this point is that what was Bergenworth's relationship with blood? Well, this is a, oh yeah, this is another thing that like everyone sort of I think got wrong when the game came out. Um, oh, Mister, I know everything. Okay, tell us what we all got wrong. Okay, so the thing is, <laughs> when the game came out, it was like, oh, Bergenworth are about insight, and the Healing Church are about blood, and that's the the nature of this like schism where Lawrence leaves Bergenworth after breaking Willem's taboo against blood usage. But that sort of doesn't hold up because if you look at what the Healing Church are doing is and the DLC made this very, very clear, it wasn't as clear in the base game. The Healing Church are also trying to elevate their consciousness and elevate their minds in the same way that Bergenworth, where it's not about like we we're gonna go with blood, you go with insight. They're not it's not a binary. What's really happening is that Bergenworth started off using blood. And it started causing these strange metamorphoses and transformations in the people that were using the blood. And Willem says, like, we have to stop using this stuff. He's not saying we have to stop using it, period. He's not saying, like, it's banned. He's saying we're not enlightened enough to use it. That's why the the adage that he makes Lawrence remember, it's like, we're born of the blood, made men by their blood. And the last part is undone by the blood our eyes are yet to open. And the our eyes are yet to open part is the important part because he's saying we're undone by the blood because our eyes are yet to open. When our eyes open, we will be able to understand this thing. So when Lawrence leaves Bergenworth with the old blood, it's not that he's saying like, no, blood is the key, I'm taking it by. He's saying like, (laughs) I'm ready to use this stuff like i'm enlightened i can do this so it's it's really a story about hubris it's lawrence saying like you know i don't need like i'm at the point where where we can control this stuff and you're just prohibiting its use but we're ready now that's what's going on (laughs) yeah okay cool thank you and yeah and what happens is lawrence of course isn't ready and the healing church falls apart. But at the same time, Willem also fucks up because he's so obsessed with we have to be thinking on higher planes of thought that he never does anything. He just like rots away in his chair because he's basically refusing to touch this stuff. So they both diverge, but both paths go badly. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, we're going to do a video on Willem soon. And if anybody's watching and has questions, uh, you can ask them either in this video or Discord or whatever. I think we just covered Willem. Yeah, well, that's why I'm asking, because I don't know what else to ask. But we're going to have to do a video about him. There's nothing else. That's it. Well, no, wait. Well, first of all, okay. First of all, we're going to have to talk about how he looks physically, his robes, the things growing out of his neck, his staff with the little flowers. He's an old guy. He's an old man in a rocking chair. Well, so I'm just saying, if anyone has questions, feel free to, like, ask, because I don't have that many questions about him. Well, it's, I think we should say up front most of what to do with Willem got removed. 
So, like, we can talk about that, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's true. He has a really cool flying animation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have, no, I have no idea why they, they removed this. It looked epic. Willem beatboxing is my favorite part, but I guess we'll cover that <laughs> oh my God, when we get yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> I think Willem and I speak the same imaginary language. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So before we move on to the other part of the of the Bergenworth thing, uh, I want to talk about what Bergenworth physically looks like. Okay. <laughs> I'm on the lunarium, and I see that yep. the floor here is very cracked, but it's made of like bricks or something. Yeah. Brick tiles? I don't know. But it's cracked, so I guess it's old. Yeah. Well, they, they talk about... Um, Alfred talks about it. He says, like, it's it's overgrown and decrepit. Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever went down at Bergenworth went down a while ago. And, like, the state that it's in... Presumably it was fine beforehand. So how many years ago did uh, Lawrence leave? Well, we don't know, but the gatekeeper NPC... He has, firstly, the thing is, he has a bunch of different times that he says. But I think they hadn't settled on it. So he says everything from like, oh, you're my first visitor in a year, up to like, oh, you're my first visitor in an entire century. <laughs> but the one that they actually subtitled, and I think this is important, none of them get subtitles except you're my first visitor in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that I think makes a lot of sense. That's like a good time frame because it allows for the healing church to have reached this position of power within Yana and for that to have happened within living memory, but also for Willem to still be alive. Because mm-hmm. he's very old in the flashback, but if you say like, okay, maybe in the flashback he's like 65 and then in when we meet him he's 85. Like mm-hmm. that sort of works out. So, that's why you were saying uh, Bergenworth was built 21 plus years ago? Yes. I think you just have to say, like, it's it's newer than Yana. That's all, like, you can say about it. It's a more modern building. Well, I think if we think hard enough, we can figure out the year it was built. But we don't even know what year Bloodborne's set in, because it's not on it. I think if we think hard enough. We'll figure out the planet and the year of Bloodborne. You know, this is what happened with Willem. <laughs> He's like, if we just think hard enough. And then they'll be like, the next episode will just be you in a chair with Corvo. Going, ah, 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 I don't do that, though. No, no, you don't. You go like this. You go, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm halfway there. Is this what happened to Willem? He started recording epic podcasts about the Eldritch Truth, and, <laughs> and then he turned into this? Did you like how I called our podcasts epic? <laughs> oh, goodness. Was he recording podcasts with Rom? Oh my god! Yeah, Richie! Richie! Okay, 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 think about this. I am in Canada, right? Yes. I'm, I'm also showing you with my hands what I'm saying, yeah. so imagine me. Yeah. I'm in Canada. Yeah. You're in Australia. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Similarly. Consequently. 
<laughs> um, Willem is in the Lunarium, and Rom is yeah. upside down. <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god. Consequently. Consequently, this part's going on Patreon. <laughs> no, this is like, you know, you represent Rom, I represent Willem. We, we represent two people whose brains have been destroyed. Hmm. Mm. Maybe the staff he's holding is actually a microphone. The staff he's holding is is pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it looks like uh, flowers. Again, it's got yeah. this like flower motif and the choir set. They mm-hmm. wear this like it's a sprig of something on their belt. Mm-hmm. And weirdly, Willem has a... Uh, um, like a gold pendant hanging around yeah. is similar to the one that, that uh, Lawrence passes down. So I don't know. Is it similar to the thing that the chapel dweller has? The thing about Lawrence's pendant yeah. is that it has to be small enough for Lawrence to wear, but then Amelia, because she becomes a, a werewolf that's like the size of a bus, the pendant sort of has to be upscaled to actually show up when she's doing that otherwise you wouldn't be able to see it so it's sort of unclear how big the pendant actually is okay no but it's just richie it's just so we can see that she's actually holding it yeah but i mean i don't i don't know how big the pendant is still supposed to be like outside it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like a human-sized pendant but because she's a boss it just becomes bigger in her hand like sif sif doesn't have a human-sized sword when you fight him in dark souls Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. Willem's pendant looks nothing like that pendant. What does that pendant even look like, though? Well, that's what I... I'm looking at it. It looks like a little urn. And that's why I asked you, does it look like the thing that the chapel dweller has? Are we talking about the same thing? It's possible that we're not. Yes! Willem has one pendant on his neck, and I'm looking at it because I told you I'm on sight! No, no, it's, it's not on his neck. Oh. Where is it? It's around his belt. You might not be able to see it because oh, I think you can only see, see it, it when he's T-posing. I see it now. You were right. The pendant I was looking at is the one that's higher. Oh, yeah. That's, um, I'll just open my Willem uh, footage and watch that. You know Willem has fully modeled feet with socks. <laughs> well, it's pretty cold on the linarium. I mean. You can... If you stand behind him and play with the camera, you can clip through and see his socks. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Yeah, what he's wearing around his neck is similar to the Chapel Dweller, and it's similar to what Eileen is wearing as well. Oh, thank you. Okay, I see. I see his creepy feet and the socks. Yeah. But the socks are like, I have these socks. They're like where the toes are individually wrapped. Yeah. It's like feet gloves. That's pretty cool. So you are Willem. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. His are, oh my god. His nails are on the opposite side of the foot? I think it's a texture issue. Okay. It's like how if you clip the camera inside the doll's head. Head. There's eyes. Yeah, and people are like, oh, is it is it like she's got eyes on the inside? And I think it's more like um, that's just how the texture wrapping works on a sphere. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. Yeah, this is cool. 
Oh, and he moves his feet. Oh my god. That's amazing. Yep. Wow, a lot of detail went into this game. A lot of detail went into this character with, with no dialogue, who just dies. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They put so much detail into Willem, but also detail that was never intended for us to be seen. Yeah. They do that a lot in Souls games. Like, I only recently found out that the characters in Dark Souls under their helmets have, like, individual faces. faces. Yeah. That probably wasn't as difficult to do as the other stuff, though. But still, it's like... It's like you never... You you give them all a face, but then you're like, nobody will ever see it. Yeah. It seems kind of ingenious and wasteful at the same time. It's like, no wonder you can't finish a game. (laughs) So, uh, as I was saying, okay, there are columns around here, and on the columns, there's, like, goblets? Where's here? (laughs) Where I am. Oh, oh, on the Lunarium. Yeah, wait, where you are in Canada. Um, (laughs) On the Lunarium. Yeah, the Lunarium. Yeah. Yeah. That's just... um, it's like yep. decoration, and then in the distance, I see more uh, statues elevated. What are these statues of? They look like a transformation, kind of like in Dark Souls Three, you know. They the the statue those statues are all just from different parts of the game. Yeah, but what do these ones mean? I'm gonna reveal something to you. Yeah. When you say what are these ones, I can't actually see your television. <laughs> okay. Well, it looks like a human. <laughs> humanoid statue with a ribcage or something, and it looks like it's transforming into something. I think I know the one that you mean. <laughs> um, I think that that's used in Yahogol from memory. Possibly. If we're talking about the same one. Yeah, the idea is that they just went to the Chalice Dungeons and looted these statues. Reggie, you said it five times, but what I'm asking yes. is what is the statue? What does it mean? <laughs> You'll have to ask the person that made it. No, you know better than the person who made it. They probably had no idea what they were doing. And they were like, I hope nobody ever asks me what it means. There's a bunch of statues and they just look like like weird eldritch things. Okay, because they look like uh, they're transforming. I need to know what they're transforming from and what they're transforming to. A bunch of them kind of look like Ibriatus. Like the body shape. Mm-hmm. I think chunks of this might be inspired by Call of Cthulhu. Because there's a part at the beginning of Call of Cthulhu where sculptors and artists start producing like Cthulhu-esque things without knowing why. Mm-hmm. Because of the in- like the influence of Cthulhu sort of slumbering and, and waking is has like an impact on their like subconsciously starts influencing what they do. So I think maybe the fact that there's these statues that look like none of them actually look like the bosses exactly. They look like a sort of unfinished version of them. Like you see, there's ones in Yahagol that look like uh, they're like an amygdala head, but on the body of a dog. And then there's ones that are like, it's like Ibriatus, but the top half is a human instead of a blob monster, but they have the sort of tentacles on the back and everything. And in, in like, Upper Cathedral Ward, there's these statues, they look like Celestials, but they're sort of, like, covered in weird, like, marks and sort of, like, tentacles that they don't normally have. So, I think the idea is that maybe these statues were all people who had, like, partially glimpsed or partially understood something about the Great Ones, but they never got the full picture, so they just made, like, an approximation of what they saw. 
like filled in the gaps with other pieces of anatomy. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And actually, while walking around, I noticed a garden of eyes that I killed, and it's holding the rock yeah. that you were obsessed with. Can you tell us a little bit about the rock or the sphere that they're holding? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the garden of eyes, all of them, have a rock in their hand. And on one side of the rock is a drawing of a spider. Uh-huh. And on the other side of the rock are a whole lot of eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking yeah. at one. That, <laughs> I'm looking at this one. I'll, I guess I'll screenshot it oh, and send one. you a picture. <laughs> and it looks like it has a mouth. <laughs> it does. It, it has a weird, like, orifice, I would say. It looks a bit like Rom's head. So you can't see my screen. <laughs> well, no, I've, I've seen this stupid Garden of Eyes <laughs> rock so many times. Uh. I went through a very long process of killing the Garden of Eyes that is near the telescope and hoping that it would ragdoll in such a way that the arm holding the rock would hang over the side mm-hmm. and I could photograph it. Well, you went through all this trouble, but what happened right now is that I randomly killed a fly and it landed in such a way on the floor that it's just like holding up the rock for me to see. That's good. <laughs> are, you, are you recording this? Are you going to put the footage over this? No, but I'll send okay. you the screenshot. Okay. Just to show you that I'm a professional lore hunter to the point where the Gardens of Wise are like, look at my rock. <laughs> we're poor Richie <laughs> to go through all this trouble. <laughs> I just walked over it and it won't put the rock down. <laughs> It's literally like, no, look at it. <laughs> Maybe it just wants you to leave. <laughs> like, here's the rock, just go. Take it and leave. Can you imagine? Like, oh, it actually gave me the rock. It's in my inventory now. It <laughs> <laughs> hmm. gave me a 3D model of the rock with all the notes. <laughs> well, we might be able to get one because Astral Lace is like going through all the models right now. Oh, I hope so. But the thing is like, there's a drawing of the rock in the in the art book, mm-hmm. and it's it's just like one that one half of it looks like Rom's head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like this rock with a massive eyes and what looks like a mouth, and then the other side is a we assume a drawing of a spider. Like it's not really clear what it is if it's meant to be a. It's it's entirely symmetrical and very simple. So I'm like, okay, is this is this supposed to be? A, I, I so I assume it's a drawing of a spider, but it it's possible it's meant to be like a fossilized spider or like an actual spider because you can't really tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because on the way into Bergenworth, you go through Forbidden Woods, and all the the gravestones in Forbidden Woods they have slugs all over them. But it's not clear if because they're just like just like a two D texture of a slug pasted over and over again, and it's really low res. So it's not clear if that is supposed to be slugs crawling on it, or if it's meant to be like there were slugs on it and they've left like a trail. Like they, it's it's impossible to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So I'm walking around Bergenworth, there's a fence made out of yep. metal, I guess. Um, the whole outside looks like it's made out of bricks and stuff. 
Yes. There's a there's a little area in the back where you find the brain sucker. Yeah. What was that area used for? This is again like when we're talking about where things in Bergenworth were. Um, if you look at that area from the Lunarium, you can see that the sort of the the brick part continues to extend from there. Like, you can see that there's, like, actual brick paths and everything um, past that point. So, like, maybe the lecture hall was over there or possibly over the other side. Mm. Yeah. I see. Okay. Oh, and um, there is this really good speedrunner, I forget his name, that does Bloodborne speedruns. And yeah. uh, what they did is they actually jumped into the lake over the fence on the first floor, and they went yeah. into the boss arena that way. Yeah. And also, actually, I'm looking at the lake from the first floor, and where you jump to from the second floor, the lake is like, there's like a animation where it's like bright, and there's ripples. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, the, um, like the bell animation, and like what the messengers come out of. Yeah. It's like a, like a warp thing, yeah. I don't know if I've noticed that before. That's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. Um, Do you want some technical trivia about the lake? Yes. Because, like, the ROM arena is literally underground. Like, it's under where you are. You do actually fall into it. <laughs> okay. In order to stop... It's not like you warp to another map. Like, ROM's arena is just, like, way down under the lake. Mm -hmm. In order to stop you from dying from the fall, the game makes you invincible as you're falling. Mm -hmm. So if you get frenzied and time it exactly right, if you jump down and you're falling through the lake as the frenzy hits, it won't kill you. Cool. Because the game makes you invulnerable. Yeah. Ah, thank you. But it doesn't work for NPCs. So if you... if Because Yuri is quite difficult. Yeah. So if you... If you're having trouble with Yuri, just knock her off the edge. And she'll, <laughs> she'll fall into Rom's arena and die. And you'll just find her drop when you get down there. No. Um, also, this is an interesting thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, so, uh, again, on the, on the first floor by the lake, uh, there's a staircase that faces the lake. But then when you go up the stairs, like, you'd expect there to be a door, but it's just a wall. Yes, you would. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, could you, you would. Could you because, explain uh, this? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> the honest answer is that, like, what you're looking at when you're at, quote-unquote, Bergenworth is, <laughs> is the top floor of the original Bergenworth, <laughs> basically. Um, and, like, the lecture hall building, that was Bergenworth. <laughs> so, again, like... It's why you can see this is this huge expanse of brick that does nothing. It's why the school has like a number of shortcuts that don't make any sense. That like, <laughs> like they yeah. bother it, that that Bergenworth as an area is literally less than a minute long, and <laughs> it has three different shortcuts in it because you have because when when it was conceived, like it would have been four or five times wider than it is now. So having to like. Being able to open the gate on either side, if it makes sense. But, Richie, 
Yes. When I pointed out to Gail that there are a lot of bonfires that seem to be placed really close to each other, in yeah. Dark Souls, he said it's called thematic consistency. Mm, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I'll have to listen to that Gail interview. <laughs> I don't know what kind of rubbish he was saying in that. <laughs> so would you say that there's some sort of thematic consistency going on here? What's the thematic? What the? What's the theme? Like shortcuts. I don't know. The theme is that a large part of this is missing. Or maybe it's a throwback to the bonfires. The the, bon- the throwback to the bonfires in a game that hadn't come out yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. I I think that's pretty much it. Uh, for this part, what do you think? What do you mean for this part? Like for Bergenworth or for that part of Bergenworth? For that part of Bergenworth. Um, so the couches, do you think they're made out of leather? Probably. Do you think the chairs were custom ordered? Because they look pretty unique and fancy. This is, again, what I mean about, like, the architecture being different, because you don't see chairs like that in Yana. Yeah, so... Yeah. 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 Cool. And there's a lot of candles here in the, in the Bergenworth building. Yeah. Um, they, they're really, really good candles. They've been on for at least 20 years? I think so. This is like Mikolash when he says, like, chatting into the wee hours. Mm-hmm. Presumably they would they would stay up and chat by candlelight. But one of them went out, so somebody wow. should yeah. Somebody should take care of that. Do you think the candles are there because the Garden of Eyes are attracted to light? So if you put the candles on, they'll run toward that. They're blind though. Are they blind? They have a lot of eyes. They're blind, Richie. Only one of them has to work. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they'll see you if you move in front of them. Oh, they're deaf! Sorry! <laughs> I meant to say they're deaf. <laughs> oh god, this is going on Patreon and we never speak of this again. With this whole episode? Yeah, but I think it's clear that if I edited this, it would be ten minutes long. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's not many paintings around, is there? Are there any? I feel like there's none. I'm looking around. I feel like there should be a little more artwork. I feel like they should redecorate a little bit. And oh shit! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so sorry. Oh my god! Oh my god! Do you know what happened? Was there a garden of eyes you hadn't killed? No, I killed them all, Richie. I made sure to kill them all so this wouldn't happen during the podcast. Oh my god! Because I I thought about. And I'm like, I better make sure I kill them all so that, because I know myself, like, right? Like, you've been to my streams, right? Everything startles me. Yes. And I'm like, yes. oh my God, do you know what happened? The Garden of Eyes that I killed upstairs yeah. fell down <laughs> right in front of me, like in a damn horror movie. Oh my God. Like, it was, like, I was on the second floor, right? I was in front of the couches and, like, where you would see the note. And as I was walking toward the note, like, it literally fell down right in front of my character. 
Okay. Okay, that's it. We're out of here. Let's go to the other part. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's giving me a heart attack, man. When are you streaming Resident Evil 7 VR? Never. I've been... I tried to stream um, Death... Not Death Stranding. Death Space. So, I'm streaming Death... Death, Death Crimson? <laughs> Death Space. I'm streaming Death Space 1. Okay. And I'm okay. like halfway in and I need a break. It was very, very scary. Okay. And uh, then I started streaming... Well, now, no. Now I'm streaming Hollow Knight to sort of even it out. And I also right. stream Call of Cthulhu a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Where is... Uh, my brain is not working. Where is the other area? It's above here. No, no, the nightmare area. Which gravestone? Okay, it's the creepy-looking gravestone. Yeah. Uh, it's lecture building second floor. Well, it's the same building. You can just go up and down. I feel like this was karma for all the times I've, like, may not necessarily been the most gentle to you. <laughs> <laughs> Though I am nice most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, yeah. Yeah. Off camera. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm on the second... Um, floor lecture building. There's a lot of slugs here, slug students. Yeah. Tell me about them. Mm. Um, I don't really know. Like, they're the students of Bergenworth. We know that. And, like, the fact that they're when you kill them, they mostly drop Quicksilver bullets. So I think it's something like um, the the way that the they talk about blood, like making your body malleable and stuff. Mm-hmm. That I don't know. It, the thing is that, um, like, w when you get Quicksilver in the game, I don't. I mean, some people do think it literally is Quicksilver. I think it is mostly just a shorthand for, like, any sort of slimy substance. And, um, like, an example is the Erden, Erden, um, Rite. Because it talks about how, like, you get Quicksilver bullets from Erden Rite because Erden Rite lets you see, it just calls it, like, mucus. So what's happening is, like, with Erden Rite, you reach into blood and you pull out this mucus. And that's, that's replenishing your Quicksilver. But, it's not, you're not literally pulling Quicksilver out of stuff, I don't think. I mean, some people think you are. Because um, Japan has a history with mercury poisoning. Mm -hmm. So the idea that, like, maybe the people in Yarnum do have traces of mercury in their bodies. Um, like, that's possible. But I, I just take it as, like... Like, Bergenworth are obsessed with these phantasms, these slug things. And, like, all the Phantasm-related stuff's powered by Quicksilver and Mercury or whatever. So I think the idea is with the students, like, they're just another... They're just the other end of the, the beast transformation. That, like, the people who were taking too much blood, they turned into those beast things, but then maybe if you, like... If you go too far in the other direction, your body also changes, but it instead of becoming beast-like, it becomes slug-like. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The thing is that we we only ever encounter them in the um in the nightmare. So it's not immediately clear if like did they turn into those things in the waking world and then get dragged into the nightmare? Or was being pulled into the nightmare what turned them into those things? I just noticed that they have like a rosmarinus that shoots acid at you or something. Oh, no, what what they're doing is some of them have beakers. And what they do is they, they literally vomit into the beaker. Oh. And then they throw it at you. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, because their their bodies are made of, like, this slime. So they just sort of, like, throw up the slime in the beaker and then they throw that at you as, like, a projectile attack. Do they ever vomit at you directly? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so this part of the building, it looks very, very big. And there's a lot of doors. It looks big, but it's mostly empty space. Ah. But also, there are various rooms, and in some rooms, there are, like, these, I guess, uh, lecture halls. And There's two main lecture theater areas. Yeah, yeah, lecture theaters, that's what I mean. And other rooms are, it looks like a lab space where you could have performed some experiments or something. Yeah, I think that's what they are, because you find, there's, like, red jelly in one, and there's, Mm -hmm. um... Another one you find, like, notes scattered around about what Lawrence was doing. hmm Yeah. Some of the students have graduation caps, and some don't. Yep. Do you think they were pulled into the nightmare on, like, graduation day or something? Do you think they had the graduation at Bergenworth? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And, uh, these students have another thing that you pointed out in one of your videos. Um, where their heads are tilted and it's reminiscent of the silver beast. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I don't know anymore. I don't know to what degree that's like. Their heads are tilted and silver beast heads are tilted as well, but like it could it could be that just because their bodies are so um they have no bones left. That they just sort of like parts of them are just sort of flopping around like their their mm-hmm. neck doesn't work properly. So it's done like that. Okay. And were all these students studying under Willem? No, this this is the thing, because, like, as I was saying with the Gardens of Eyes, like, they seem to be, they would have been the people in between Willem and the students. Because, like, if it was just Willem, they wouldn't need two lecture theatres, basically. So I think it would have been, like, Willem, and then Willem would have had, like, a dozen maybe less than a dozen of those, like, other scholars working under him. Hmm. And then they would have taught the students, yeah. Like, my theory basically is, um, Lawrence used to dress like the Gardens of Eyes are dressing now. Mm-hmm. And Mikolash was a student, so, like, Lawrence would have taught Mikolash. Okay. So that's why when you get into the healing church, like, Mikolash is still wearing the student uniform. And... Presumably, Lawrence is dressed in like a like a robe with a, an eye mask. So that would make sense. Lawrence could have been like um, Willem's right hand type deal. I don't know if like right hand because it's like um, Lawrence is much younger than Willem, so I see it as more like Willem was 
Lawrence's like tutor or like the not tutor, but like Lawrence was sort of Willem's protege. Okay. They're like a mentor protege relationship. And then one day Lawrence was like, no, I've outgrown you. I don't need you anymore. Well, that happens too in labs where it's like, yeah, yeah, where it's like I'm training the giant at the same time as talking to you. <laughs> How exciting. This is the most exciting podcast I've ever been on. Yeah, especially since the people who listen to this will have no idea what's happening. <laughs> so it's exciting for you. Um, not so much other people. Uh, another? Okay, so a slug just fell down behind me, but because what just happened was so scary before, yeah. it didn't even phase me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I built an immunity. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it could happen. Right. That, you know, let's say you have a professor and you have a project with them, but the project is just not yeah. moving along fast enough. And you're like, I'll never finish my PhD on time. It's going to take me eight years instead of five. I've got to find another lab. Right. So is that what happened to Lawrence? Um, maybe. Like, I think the idea is that Lawrence just was thinks like I've learned all I can from Willem. And Willem is now holding me back, so I'm going to go and do my own thing. So then Lawrence technically did graduate. Because, yeah, okay. So the reason why I think maybe he was his right hand is because he didn't, like, Lawrence didn't go out and join another another lab or whatever. He made his well, own. He, found, he kind of founded his own. Yeah, yeah so own. to found yeah. your own lab, you need to have certain credentials and you need to have your degree, like... Well, I, I don't know, in, in Lawrence's case, it was probably more like he just showed up with a whole lot of eldritch blood. <laughs> like, L Lawrence is kind of a scam artist, I think, in a lot of ways. Oh, really? Yeah. Because Lawrence's whole deal with the healing church, like, the healing church is, is just that he shows up with the, the old blood. Right. And he's like, I will heal you, bring me your sick. Like, he's just this weird guy who shows up in town. Hmm. Yeah. And, like, the fact that he is healing people is what gives him... He's more like a cult leader. Well, I, I assume he had to have some kind of credentials because if he was, like... T he, I assume he was teaching other people there. Like, he wasn't a, okay. a student, necessarily. All right. So, he was probably, like... Like, maybe he, he was, like, the equivalent of, like, a... Like a, a post grad student or something. Mm. It was like a te like a teaching assistant or something. So he could theoretically be you. Um, yeah, but I, I um. Oh, there we go again. So again, I'm Willem. <laughs> you're Lawrence. <Yeah. laughs> One day you're gonna leave these podcasts. You'll be like, I have outgrown this. But isn't it the other way around? Because I had like a channel before you. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're the healing church. Yeah, that's basically what's happened. You've just, like, <laughs> shown up and said, I've got Richard. Everyone come to my channel instead. So I'm Lawrence now. <laughs> I don't think either of us should aspire to be Lawrence. <laughs> I don't think he's a great role model for a number of reasons. You might be right. <laughs> um, okay. So, 
it's interesting because this building is very reminiscent of Bergenworth. Yeah, because it is. It is Bergenworth. I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's, it's very, yeah. uh, it's consistent. Yeah. The thing is, like, because, um, again, a lot of the architecture in Bloodborne superficially is quite similar to other, like, itself. And then, um, because they make this whole deal about, oh, the healing church model, the uniforms after Bergenworth. It was like, maybe this is part of Bergenworth. Because, like, everyone there's dressed like, I mean, the healing church could have just copied the Bergenworth uniforms and the Bergenworth building. But, um, no, it is, it is Bergenworth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the room that Patches is in. Yeah. That's actually a really cool room. Do you think he studied here? Do you think that was his, like, office or something? But, like, have you noticed that Willem's chair is in that room? Is it? Yeah, the big chair um, near the ladder is Willem's chair. Like, exactly. Oh, snap, yeah. Yeah, and it's his desk exactly as well. It's, like, just the same stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was this Willem's room? Or is this just reused assets? I don't know. It's so weird because it's in the room where you find patches, so it's supposed to be significant. That solidifies that it is part of Bergenworth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like, because literally Willem's chair and desk are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I really like in Bloodborne, and I wish they had more of these moments? Uh, when you first find patches, um, like, when you go down the ladder, and you see him, yeah. and, like, if you don't remember that Patches is here, you might actually kill him, you know? Yeah. Thinking that he's an enemy, so that's really cool. But another thing is, if you talk to him, he does this, like, this creepy, disturbing spider animation where he just, like, rushes to the table. Yeah. It's so, like, I love it so much, it's just, it's... It's unexpected, but at the same time, it's so, like, disturbing and bizarre, and it takes you a second to be like, okay, what's happening? What's going on? Like, yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was, there was more of that. Yeah. So, on the first floor of this uh, building, there's a lot of storage areas. Do you mean those, like, um, like, they're not really bookshelves. Cupboards and things. Yeah, yeah, they look very... Yeah, the shelves, yeah. And they're not very practical, because if I want to get something out of this shelf, it's, like, behind a pillar? It, it almost looks like the students were using them to, like, hide parts of the lab. I don't know. Hmm. Because, like, there's, there's kind of a secret in Bergenworth. Oh, what is it? That's, um... You know how Willem's, like... No blood, no blood, blood bad, right? Uh-huh. And then the symbol for the blood is the communion room. Which you find here. You find it in, in the lecture building, but you find it in this hallway that's, like, deliberately blocked off with a whole lot of these shelves. Oh, interesting, yeah. So I yeah. think maybe, like, someone was fucking around with blood without wanting to tell Willem. So they, it's, like, hidden away. Oh my god, that is actually, yeah, I love it. Uh, that would actually make sense. 
you know uh, a room where there's a giant round pillar in the middle and like a slug is attached to the ceiling? Yeah, yeah. What would that room be used for? I don't know. You just sort of sit around in them. Like, it's just chairs. They might be like reading rooms. But, like, it's so awkward. Like, you just sit there in circle and just read while other people sit there and read, too. And it's a, it's just very awkward. Well, probably what happened was during Miyazaki's tour of Eastern Europe. <laughs> he probably saw a room like that and took a photo of it on his phone. <laughs> and then he's like, this is cool. We should make one of these. <laughs> yeah. Or you know what it is? Okay, I know, I know what it is, Richie. Okay, think about it. But if you put the chairs closer, the chairs that are facing each other, if you put them closer, yeah, it could yeah. be like a speed dating thing where it's like, okay, switch chairs, oh, and okay. then yeah. yeah. That's why Mikolash left because no one called him back after the speed dating. There may be a gap there. There's definitely a gap there. There's a gap there. It may involve Nicolash's love life. <laughs> we'll leave that to your imagination. Um, uh, so another thing that I see is, um, I guess, a hunter in a chair teaching a class. No, it's um. Oh, this is another confusing part of the the way the game does corpses mm-hmm. because basically there's like. There's Yarnamite corpses, there's corpses that are dressed like a hunter, mm-hmm. and then there's corpses that are dressed like they're from the Healing Church. But the corpses that are dressed like they're from Healing Church uh, stand in for the Healing Church, the Vile Bloods, the Executioners, and Bergenworth. Okay. So, like, that is, I think, supposed to be a Bergenworth lecturer. But okay. because the game has a limited, yeah, it's weird because there is like there there are unique corpses for Mikolash and a choir member, but they don't make unique corpses for like executioners or for um vile bloods or anything like that. So right, yeah, hmm. yeah, it it's, makes Kanehurst quite confusing because when you go there, you all the corpses look the same, and the only way to tell who is who is by what's on the corpse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, I should point out that you get a key from that corpse that's like the lecture theater key. Yeah. And the Japanese script does like very explicitly say this is the key to the Bergenworth lecture hall. So it's like there's no ambiguity in that script. Okay. But in the in the in the English script it does just say the lecture building. That's where the confusion came from. Yeah. That's too bad because a lot of confusion comes from sort of translations. Well, I was talking to Loki earlier, and yeah. uh, he's got a lot to get off his chest. So <laughs> I think we can probably get we can probably get about another six hours out of him next time he's free. <laughs> awesome, yeah. And it, and it is a little annoying because the whole Soulsborne community is obsessive with figuring out the story and looking at the details. And so when an item says something like a great one loses its child and then seeks a surrogate, mm. it's like, what does the word surrogate mean? Is it a child? Is it mm. the mother? What's the meaning? What's the interpretation? And there are threads and yeah. videos about uh, it's it. It's especially good if you're, say, me. 
<laughs> and you've decided to play through the game multiple times on version 1.0, and it doesn't say surrogate. Because they had a different draft of the script, yes. Are you serious? What does it say? Yeah. it's It says every great one loses its child and yearns for its return. So that's like a literal translation of the Japanese, isn't it? Well, the Japanese is like every great one loses its child and yearns for its child. Okay. Which is like a... It, that, that's like that's literal, and obviously it sounds quite awkward. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they went with and yearns for a surrogate, and I think that I think that may be supposed to reference German, the way that German is like kept as a a kind of surrogate child with a moon presence. I might be hinting at that. Oh, actually, speaking of translations in Bergenworth, you didn't what? mention that that note about the red moon descending. That's on the um. Second floor. Well, actually, I was gonna ask you about like notes and items. Yeah, okay. Um, but I guess now we're we're finished talking about the actual hall and the architecture. They have beautiful chandeliers. You didn't talk about the the blackboard. <gasps> I was thinking about it when I was in that room with the teacher, yeah. and I'm like, I should mention yeah. the blackboard, and then yeah. we went off topic. Okay, so tell us about the blackboard. Well, the blackboard, the image on the blackboard is a stock image. Uh, I found it. It's used a lot on the front cover of, like, physics textbooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, From just took that stock image and sort of dirtied it up a bit to make the blackboard design. So, on the one hand, like, they didn't draw what's on the blackboard. But on the other hand, um, it's like, what is, what's there is specific, and it's, it's to do with the way that light refraction works through lenses. Uh, both, like, Lenses for telescopes and glasses, but also the lens of the eye. And that does really tie into what Bergenworth are doing, because they're all, like, they have the big telescope, and they're obsessed with eyes, and they're obsessed with, like, moonlight. So, I don't know if that's just a coincidence, or, like, they specifically wanted a, a stock image that looked like that, that had those things on it. I feel like, well, like, it would be a pretty good coincidence for them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. So, cute chandeliers. Yep. Mm. The giant on the football scholarship. <laughs> no, on the Blitzball scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, for those of you who would like to know what we're talking about, um, check out our Mikolash podcast. I'm, I'm amazed you remembered that. Why? Because I would have thought, oh, that's the Final Fantasy X one, because we talked about Blitzball in that. Yeah, well, it's two. It's the Mikulish podcast and the Final Fantasy podcast. Yeah, this podcast is now harder to understand than Bloodborne. <laughs> it is. It is. There's a lot of... That's why you need to start at episode zero. That is why I made episode zero, uh... so we start from scratch. So, to understand episode 37, you have to watch zero to 36, plus gaming in the Yeltsin years. Which is only like three or four episodes, so. Yeah, and uh, several other podcasts that we have and haven't released yet. (laughs) No, Richie, we don't have any podcasts we haven't released yet. So silly of me. That's how I know the number of this one is because we're out of podcasts. No, but like there's other series. Eventually it'll be like a whole network that every show is just us. (laughs) Yeah. And like occasionally Loki. Occasionally Nick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to see 
if there's anything else that's like really really interesting what is the key open the key opens the lecture theater on the other side of the hallway if you go through there then you can find the augur of abriatus oh okay uh what does that mean what the name no we find the augur of abriatus what does that mean for the lore of this place because well, it's like they had the um, the pearl slugs and the phantasm shell, and then they've also got the Augur of Ibritus, which is another of the phantasm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, they've uh, been collecting phantasms from the Chalice Dungeon. Also, the, the, thing, the things that are in, in cages in Bergenwald, mm-hmm. they look like the, there's an item called Red Jelly, and you do find some Red Jelly in, in uh, the lecture theatre, but also around it, you find the. They just looks like the red jelly um, creature in these like cages. Looks like it's being studied. Mm-hmm. Was that you being frightened, or did you just sneeze? <laughs> I just something else fell on me. <laughs> it's, uh. Uh, no, but this one I knew. I'm surprised because I went to the other round room upstairs, and I'm like, oh, there's a slug here. I better be careful. And I looked around, and there was none. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess there's none. My imagination. And you forgot to check the roof. As I exited, <laughs> it yeah. fell on me. Do, yeah. you want, do you want some 1.0 trivia about the slugs? Yes. They have almost no health or defenses in 1.0. They just die to one hit from basically anything. They have like 70 hit points. So that's cool. It's like they are scholars. Yeah, they, they're so weak. Like, you can just... I ran through there, and, like, even with minimal blood tinge, you can just, like, shoot them with your sidearm, and they die in one hit. Huh. Yeah. Why did they change that? Well, maybe that was a mistake, and they wanted them to be stronger. I don't know. Hmm. We should do a podcast where you uh, tell us about your run and the differences that you spotted. Which of the five runs <laughs> that I did over... Over a pretty short amount of time and made myself physically ill, would you like to talk about? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so, how about we talk about the items and notes that we can find there now? I think we covered all the items. Did we? Yeah, I can't think of any that we missed. Do you want to double check the wiki? Well, there's the student set, and I think that's about it. And what does the students uh, tell us about the lore? Well, it's just what the students at Bergenworth wore. Ah. Mm. Is it what the slug students are wearing now? Confusingly, it's not. Well, (laughs) you see? Uh Mm. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm sad you can't get a mortarboard. That would have been good to wear. The what? The, the, like, flat, the graduation cap thing. Oh! The mortarboard. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's called? Yeah, mortarboard. <laughs> cool. I get, to, I get to wear one uh, in about a month. Oh my god! Are we all invited? Well, I don't know when it is, because I've already passed and everything, but then my supervisor was like, oh, don't actually do the ceremony with the, with the, um like, physical degree until I'm back from the UK. So I have to wait for her to come back. Aw, is it because she wants to be there? Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Um, Richie? Yeah? 
so I just saw. Is this going to be about the mug? What? It's going to be about the mug. No, no, no. It's going to be about. Okay. I just saw Good. two slug students drink yeah. their vomit from that thing yeah. and then vomit on the floor. Yeah. yeah. What is wrong with them? Well, I think, like, they must have been experimenting with the mucus from the slugs in those beakers, and they just sort of, like, began to take on the qualities of the slugs. But do they have to drink their own vomit? Um, some of them drink the vomit and spew it out, and other ones, like, throw the beaker at you. So they do vomit at you. Earlier in the podcast, I asked if any of them vomited at you, because I remembered it. And you said no, and the answer is yes. They do. They drink stuff, and then they vomit on the floor, and it creates, like, a wave of vomit. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they vomit at you as well. Okay. But I'm thinking, what if what's actually in that beaker is, like, coffee? And so they're just drinking and vomiting coffee, so it's okay. Because the dissertation's do you soon. Yeah. Well, now I'm not sure if they actually vomit at you. I feel like I just saw one. There's, like, three different variants. It, oh, okay. They, they can create, like, a pool on the ground. Yeah, I saw the pool on the ground, yeah. But I feel like I saw somebody vomit at me. But now, I don't know. Okay, I'll kill this last one. Okay. So, we went through all the items? I can't think of any that are missing. I mean, like, this, the, the students drop stuff, but they're not. And like, they drop Quicksilver bullets and sedatives. And, um... The giant drops blood chunks sometimes. Hmm. Franken-Nux is his name. <laughs> oh my god, that is so cute! That is really, really cute. And his fists are on fire. Yeah, all, all the giants are called yeah, all the giants are called Franken something. And he's Franken Nux because he's got the burning knuckles. Aww. Okay, so what about the notes? Let's talk about the notes now. Okay. We already talked about the one that Yuri leaked. Mm-hmm. Then there's the one on the other side that is it's in a book. Um from memory, it's not like you're not reading the book. There's like a slip of paper in the book. I guess you can see it when you walk there. But it's like a book in the library part, and there's like a slip of paper sticking out of the book. And it talks about how the, um, basically like the, the great ones are descending under the red moon. And that when that happens, that a child will be born. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, the English is like when the red moon, on traditional memory, it's like the, when the red moon descends, the boundaries of man and beast are blurred and, um, A womb will be blessed with child or something. A womb will be blessed with child. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I spoke to some, uh, people about it and they were like, no, the Japanese one is like totally different. <laughs> the, no, but the thing is like, it's still, both of them work. Like, it's when they talk about, like, the womb will be blessed with child. Yeah. It does happen. Like, Ariana yeah. is mm-hmm. impregnated under the red moon. So it's not like it's wrong. Yeah. But the the Japanese one is more like, um, when the great ones descend, we will be with the child. Like, we will hold the child. We will, like, have a child with us when the 
great ones to send. So it's more like that's what Lawrence was planning to do. That like the great ones will descend and he'll have a child to offer them. Basically. And to find out more about the story of Lawrence, you can check out our Lawrence podcast. I completely forgot we did a Lawrence podcast. Yeah, it's the Pre-Snack Covenant podcast. It's actually really good, I think. It's where you talk about yeah. Lawrence, as well as the story uh, before the DLC, and what may have been... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, like, what what amazed me um, going over everything again was how much I came away disliking Lawrence as a character. Oh, yeah? How so? Yeah, because if, if you... Like, just play the game sort of through once. The implication you get is, okay, Lawrence is like, it's a tragedy. He was like, he's like Icarus. He flies too close to the sun and gets burned. And like, he just sort of over. But then the more you look into it, the more like, no, he's actually this like really awful person (gasps) who like just uses everyone around him and like destroys people's lives and um, constantly just like sacrifices people for his own, his own ambition. Mm-hmm. So him as like the way he's like this this burning I remember th- like um there's a, a YouTube video of his um his theme playing and it's got like uh, Bell Ringer Cat who people might know she did like an English translation of the lyrics from the Latin mm-hmm. and there's these comments like oh it's really tragic like Lawrence like you you know you 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 didn't listen and like all these terrible things happened to you. But then the more you sort of look at what Lawrence actually does, it's like, no, like, this is actually really fitting. Like, you sort of deserve this. Because of all the, the horror that you've unleashed on other people. Because mm-hmm. it, it all really is his fault. When you realize, like, it's not that it got out of control, it's that he actually just sacrifices all of these people. Like, he basically just uses people as subjects in his experiments. Like he he's more like uh, like the villain from like Resident Evil or something than he is uh, than he is like a tragic flawed figure. He's just like treating people as sort of like non-human things he can use. It's like an ends justifies the means thing, but the ends is literally just like he is he is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he he's trying to make himself into something that's more than human, so therefore it's okay to like use people along the way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sucky. Yeah. Yeah, he. it's, yeah. I think because you don't really get a sense of who he is, really, when you play it and just comes across as tragic. But then you're like, no, this guy is awful. And I guess we can have uh, another podcast on Lawrence where we explore more of that aspect of him. I guess, yeah. And I think that's it for Bergenware. No, there's other notes. Okay. So. <laughs> there's another. There's another two okay. notes All right. in, in okay, the lecture building second floor. Okay. Lecture building second floor. The <laughs> door that let me is do this closest again, to the. Okay. I do this again, and I appear professional. <laughs> I like that comment. That was like, "There's a real lack of professionalism in this podcast," and it's like, "This is like episode thirty-five." <laughs> I don't know what you expect at this point. <laughs> eating during a podcast? Well, I never. <laughs> e- eating during a podcast named after snacks. 
where the logo is just you on top of a giant pile of food. <laughs> and you're underneath it. Yeah. Being crushed by the giant pile of snacks. <laughs> before we go on, I actually noticed something that I've never noticed before. You know the pendant that the doll has on? What, you mean like the brooch thing? Um, I don't know. It's like a pendant on her neck, and it looks like a flower or something, or the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's metal, and the metal is reflecting the scenery. You know what you can also, you can also see? What? You can see the unused version of the Hunter's Dream, because they didn't update the map. Well, now that you mention it, uh, I didn't want to be... Yeah, I didn't want to be, like, nitpicky, because this is pretty amazing, but I was thinking, <laughs> there are no pillars, there's no moon there, the sky's different, but I want it to be positive. <laughs> you can see in it, um, not in the game, you have to extract it, because it's, like, a quite small, well, it's all warped when you view it, because they, they, like, apply this warp to it. But you can see where the warp, um, the corpses used to be that you would use to warp from area to area. Oh, nice. Yeah. You can see that, like, there's no headstones along the pathway because this is before they had the headstones. Oh, cool! Yeah, and yeah, like we talked about Dark Souls Three. In Dark Souls Three, you can do the same thing, and you can see the original Firelink Shrine design they used before they changed it, and it looks a lot more like the Nexus, and it's got these giant green pillars all over it. Yeah, cool. So, no, there's a note. There's two notes you haven't talked about yet. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about the two notes. The two notes, they're in the same room. Uh, one just says three third chords. Oh, no, 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 no. There's, there's three notes we haven't seen yet. One of them just talks about Lawrence beckoning the moon presence. So it's like the nameless moon presence beckoned by Lawrence and his associates, Pale Blood. Um... That is just referring, like, that helps you sort of situate the time, because it's like, okay, this must have been written after, like, all the shit went down with Lawrence and German and the Moon Presence. So Bergenworth was at least still operational at that point. There's four notes we missed. Okay. Rich's PhD did not involve counting, so it's okay. Yes, it did. You had to count? What did you have to count? There's, like... A an entire appendix that is just, like, tables and tables of numbers. Well, I bet they were all random. It's like, five, seven, two, B, three, A. <laughs> C, appendix, blue. <laughs> C, appendix, no. <laughs> okay, so there's four, there's four notes we've missed. <laughs> One of them says the nameless moon presence beckoned by Lawrence and his associates, Pale Blood. So that is firstly it's helping situate that like Bergenworth was still operational when Lawrence was fucking around with the moon presence. They knew about it. I don't know how they found out about it, but they did. Um and like it talks about Pale Blood as in like that's probably the There are not many references to Pale Blood in the game. And that's like a, a late game thing that's sort of just sort of reminding you Pale Blood exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's hinting like, okay, that the moon presence and the Pale Blood sky are connected. Mm -hmm. Then uh, there is one that says three third chords. 
which is what you need for the ending. But then there's another one that says, hunt the great ones, hunt the great ones. And those two are, I think, connected. Because the idea is that whoever was writing that note finally figured out, okay, you need three of these third chords. Because they tried it with ROM, with one third chord, and it didn't quite work out. So at some point after ROM, they figured out, okay, you need three of these third chords. Where are we going to get two more of them? And then the note next to that says, hunt the great ones. Ah. So it's like, so we're going to have to go and hunt great ones to get another two of these chords before we can fully um, complete our plan to ascend. Yeah. And I think that almost kind of makes sense of why it's in the nightmare. Because I think, like, this is how I would rationalize it, knowing that this was a, a late change that no one really bothered explaining. Is that it opens onto... It's, like, jammed in the middle of the dreamlands, and it opens onto where the, the nightmare frontier with Amygdala is. So it's almost like they were maybe trying to get into the dreamlands to hunt more great ones. Mm-hmm. And they sort of ended up just wedged there. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And the other note is the one that says, um, Master Willem was right, evolution without courage will be the ruin of our race. Which is another translation I don't entirely like. Um, it's more like, it's getting to what, what um, he's saying to Lawrence, where it's like, don't, don't use the blood because our eyes are yet to open. It's like that. It's like, um, if you try to use this blood to evolve yourself without understanding, like without being an enlightened, uh, enlightened being, it will destroy you. That's kind of what evolution without courage is getting at. But it's, I don't know why they went without courage. It's a bit weird. Um, it's more just like, um, a, a depraved evolution or like, a uh, um, and like a pitiless evolution or something will be the ruin of our race. <laughs> so it's like the problem, what well, we'll just, well, not even the ruin of our race is like our undoing. So it's like we, we can evolve, but it has to be the right kind of evolution. <laughs> and I don't know what evolution without courage is supposed to mean. It's just a really strange phrase. It would be like evolution without enlightenment or something. I don't know. Are there more notes? No, that's the four that we were missing. There's two in Bergenworth, and then there's, um, I think, four in the lecture hall, so there's six. Okay, cool. Thank you, Richie. That's all right. Is that it for Bergenworth? Well, I thought it would be it for Bergenworth a while ago, but we're almost on two and a half hours. (laughs) So, who knows how long this um, can go for. Okay, well, let, let me ask you again, in case you remembered, is there something that you're going to put in your future video that is, like, really interesting or revolutionary or, like... No, I think we covered it all, honestly. Oh. May as well just not, not bother now. No, Richie, don't say that. I'll get murdered. <laughs> it'll be like this, but there'll be less laughing, and um, it'll be with, in HD with no HUD. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I think I referenced, like, um, uh, Dojen the Sage at one point. I guess that's a carrot. Oh! 
I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, there we go. Exciting. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, but still, my favorite thing about Bergenworth is what you say about him meditating by the moon and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's uh but for those who can't wait for the next Willem video, uh there's actually a little clip on the channel of you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like they can't wait for the next Willem video. <laughs> and it's just like Willem has a real fan following. <laughs> there's a real fan following for this senile old man who rocks in a wheelchair going <laughs> And they're just on YouTube all day refreshing like when's the next Willem video? <laughs> Like searching Twitter for like the Willem hashtag. So, uh, as I was saying, <laughs> there's a short clip, like a five minute clip, talking about yeah. my favorite thing you ever found. Like, there's this short five minute clip in contrast with this two hour, 25 minute thing. <laughs> Yeah, and it's much better. And the moonlight's not as playing in the background, and there's actually an image of Willem. And that's uh <laughs> Yeah, I remember, remember when we had like you were actually putting effort into doing stuff like that. Now it's just like completely random piece of music from a royalty free library <laughs> and just like a picture of some cookies <laughs> slowly scrolling past <laughs> while you scream at me. Well, that was back when I thought, oh my god, DSF is giving me an honor of recording a podcast with him. This will not last. I better try to make this, like, beautiful and memorable yeah. for future generations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then that very quickly became, uh, wake up, you piece of shit, we're recording. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 